Chapter Fourteen, Part Two of The Hunters of the Hills. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. The Hunters of the Hills by Joseph A. Altschuler. Chapter Fourteen, En Champlain, Part Two. The Hurons fired a few shots, all of which fell short or wide, and then settled down with all their numbers to the management of their canoe, which was tossing dangerously. Robert noticed their figures were growing dim, and then, as the storm struck with full violence for the second time, the darkness came down and hid them. Now, shouted Willet, as the wind whistled and screamed in their ears, we'll make for the middle of the lake. Relying upon their surpassing skill with the paddle, they chose a most dangerous course, so far as the risk of wreck was concerned but they intended that the long canoe should pass them in the dusk and then they would land in the rear the waves were higher as they went toward the centre of the lake but they were in no danger of being dashed against the cliffs and superb work with the paddles kept them from being swamped luckily the darkness endured and as they were able to catch through it no glimpse of the long canoe they had the certainty of being invisible themselves why not go all the way across to the eastern shore shouted robert we may find anchorage there, and we'd be safe from both the Hurons and the storm. Dagayoga is right, said Tayoga. Well spoken, said Willet. Do the best work you ever did with the paddles, or we'll find the bottom of the lake instead of the eastern shore. But skill, strength, and quickness of eye carried them in safety across the lake, and they found a shore of sufficient slope for them to land and lift the canoe after them, carrying it back at least half a mile, and not coming to rest until they reached the crest of a high hill wooded densely. They put the canoe there among the bushes and sank down behind it, exhausted. The rifles and precious ammunition, wrapped tightly in the folds of their blankets, had been kept dry, but they were wet to the bone themselves, and now that their muscles were relaxed, the cold struck in. The three, despite their weariness, began to exercise again vigorously, and kept it up until the rain ceased. Then the second storm stopped as suddenly as the first had departed, the darkness went away, and the great lake stood out, blue and magnificent in the light. Far to the south moved the long canoe, a mere black dot in the water. Tayoga laughed in his throat. They rage and seek us in vain, he said. They will continue pursuing us to the south. They do not know that Manitou sent the second storm, especially to cover us up with a darkness in which we might escape. It's a good belief, Tayoga, said Willet, and as Manitou arranged that we should elude them, he is not likely to bring them back into our path that being the case i'm going to dry my clothes so will i said robert and the onondaga nodded his own concurrence they took off their garments wrung the water out of them and hung them on the bushes to dry a task soon to be accomplished by the sun that now came out hot and bright meanwhile they debated their further course the long canoe still goes south said tayoga it is now many miles away hunting for us perhaps since they cannot find us the hurons will conclude that the storm sank us in the lake but they will hunt along the shore a long time said willet they're nothing but a tiny speck now and in a quarter of an hour they'll be out of sight altogether suppose we cross the lake behind them i think i see a cove down there on the western side take the canoe with us and wait until they go back again a wise plan said tayoga in another hour their deerskins were dry and reclothing themselves they returned the canoe to the lake the hurons still being invisible then they crossed in haste, reached the cove that Willet had seen, and plunged into the deep woods, taking the canoe with them, and hiding their trail carefully. 
when they had gone a full three miles they came to rest in a glade and every one of the three felt that it was time muscles and nerves alike were exhausted and they remained there all the rest of the day and the following night except that after dark tayoga went back to the lake and saw the long canoe going northward i don't think we'll be troubled by that band of hurons any more he reported to his comrades they will surely think we have been drowned and tomorrow we can continue our own journey to the south and on the whole we've come out of it pretty well said willet with the aid of manitou who so generously sent us the second storm said tayoga they brought the canoe back to the lake at dawn and hugging the western shore made leisurely speed to the south until they came to the neighborhood of the french works at carillon when they landed again with their canoe and after a long and exhausting portage launched themselves anew on the smaller but more splendid lake known to the english as george and to the french as saint sacrament now though they traveled by night and slept and rested by day but lake george in the moonlight was grand and beautiful beyond compare its waters were dusky silver as the beams poured in floods upon it and the lofty shores in their covering of dark green seemed to hold up the skies it's a grand land said robert for the hundredth time it is so said tayoga after manitou had practiced on many other countries he used all his wisdom and skill to make the country of the hodenosaunee the next morning when they lay on the shore they saw two french boats on the lake and robert was confirmed in his opinion that the prevision of the french leaders would enable them to strike the first blow already their armed forces were far down in the debatable country and they controlled the ancient water route between the british colonies and canada on the second night they left the lake hid the canoe among the bushes at the edge of a creek and began the journey by land to the vale of onondaga it was likely that in ordinary times they would have made it without event but they felt now the great need of caution since the woods might be full of warriors of the hostile tribes they were sure too that tandakora would find their trail and that he would not relinquish the pursuit until they were near the villages of the hodenosaunee the trail might be hidden from the ojibway alone but since many war parties of their foes were in the woods he would learn of it from some of them so they followed the plan they had used on the lake of traveling by night and of lying in the bush by day another deer fell to tayoga's deadly arrow and on the third day as they were concealed in dense forest they saw smoke on a high hill rising in rings as if a blanket were passed rapidly over a fire and back again in a steady alternation can you read what they say tayoga asked willet no replied the onondaga they are strange to me and so it cannot be any talk of the haudenosaunee ah look to the west see on another hill two miles away rings of smoke also are rising which means that two bands of french indians are talking to each other tayoga it is so great bear and here within the lands of the haudenosaunee perhaps frenchmen are with them frenchmen from carillon or some other post that onontio has pushed far to the south the young onondaga spoke with deep resentment the sight of the two smokes made by the foes of the haudenosaunee filled him with anger and willet who observed his face easily read his mind from it you would like to see more of the warriors who are making those signals he said well i don't blame you for your curiosity and perhaps it would be wise for us to take a look suppose we stalk the first fire tayoga nodded and the three although hampered somewhat by their packs began a slow approach through the bushes half the distance and tayoga who was in advance putting his finger upon his lips sank almost flat what is it tayoga whispered willet someone else stalking them too on the right i heard a bush move 
both willet and robert heard it also as they waited and used as they were to the forest they knew that it was made by a human being what's your opinion tayoga asked the hunter a warrior or warriors of the hodenosaunee seeking as we are to see those who are sending up the rings of smoke replied the onondaga if you're right they're likely to be mohawks the keepers of the eastern gate tayoga nodded let us see he said putting his fingers to his lips he blew between them a note soft and low but penetrating a half minute and a note exactly similar came from a point in the dense bush about a hundred yards away then tayoga blew a shorter note and as before the reply came precisely like it it is the ganeagano said tayoga with certainty and we will await them here the three remained motionless and silent but in a few minutes the bushes before them shook and four tall figures rising to their full height stood in plain view they were mohawk warriors all young powerful and with fierce and lofty features the youngest and tallest a man with the high bearing of a forest chieftain said we meet at a good time o tayoga of the clan of the bear of the nation onondaga of the great league of the hodenosaunee it is so o daganoweda of the clan of the turtle of the nation ganeagano of the great league of the hodenosaunee replied tayoga i see that my brethren the keepers of the eastern gate watch when the savage tribes come within their territory the brows of the young mohawk contracted into a frown most of our warriors are on the great trail to the vale of onondaga he said we are but four and though we are only four we intended to attack the smoke nearer by is made by hurons and Kanawagas. you are more than four you are seven said tayoga daganoweda understood and smiled fiercely and proudly you have spoken well tayoga he said but you have spoken as i expected you to speak onondagano and ganeagano be the first nations of the hodenosaunee and they never fail each other we are seven and we are enough he took it for granted that tayoga spoke as truly for the two white men as for himself and robert and the hunter felt themselves committed moreover their debt to the onondaga was so great that they could not abandon him and they knew he would go with the mohawks it would also be good policy to share their enterprise and their danger we'll support you to the end of it said willet quietly the english have always been the friends of the hodenosaunee said daganoweda as he led the way through the undergrowth toward the point from which the smoke come neither robert nor willet felt any scruple about attacking the warriors there as they were clearly invaders with hostile purpose of mohawk territory and it was also more than likely that their immediate object was the destruction of the three yet the two americans held back a little letting the indians take the lead not wishing it to be said that they began the battle daganoweda whose name meant inexhaustible was a most competent young chief he spread out his little force in a half circle and the seven rapidly approached the fire but robert was glad when the stick broke under the foot of an incautious and eager warrior and the hurons and Kanawagas, turning in alarm fired several bullets into the bushes he was glad because it was the other side that began the combat and if there was a frenchman with them he could not go to montreal or quebec saying the british and their indians had fired the first shot all of the bullets flew wide and daganoweda's band took to cover at once waiting at least five minutes before they obtained a single shot at a brown body then all the usual incidents of a forest struggle followed the slow creeping the occasional shot a shout of triumph or the death yell but the hurons and the Kanawagas, who were about a dozen in number were routed and took to flight in the woods leaving three of their number fallen two of the mohawks were wounded but not severely tayoga who was examining the trail suddenly raised his head and said tandakora has been here 
there is none other who wears so large a moccasin here go his footsteps and here and here doubtless they thought we were near and were arranging with the other band to trap us said willet dagano it seems that you and your mohawks came just in time are the smoke rings from the second fire still rising we were too far away for them to hear our rifles only one or two rings go up now replied tayoga since they have received no answer in a long time they wonder what has happened see how those two rings wander away and dissolve in the air as if they were useless and now no more follow but the warriors may come here to see what is the matter and we ought to be ready for them dagano to whom they readily gave the place of leader since by right it was his saw at once the soundness of the hunter's advice and they made an ambush the second band which was about the size of the first approached cautiously and after a short combat retired swiftly with two wounded warriors evidently thinking the enemy was in great force and leaving the young mohawk chieftain in complete possession of his victorious field tayoga and you great bear i thank you said dagano without your aid we could never have overcome our enemies we were glad to do what we could said willet sincerely since as i see it your cause and ours are the same tayoga was examining the fleeing trail of the second band as he had examined that of the first and he beckoned to his white comrades and to dagano frenchmen were here he said see the trail they wore moccasins but their toes turn out in the white man's fashion there was no mistaking the traces and robert felt intense satisfaction if hostile indians led by frenchmen were invading the territory of the hodenosaunee then it would be very hard indeed for duquesne and bigeot to break up the ancient alliance of the great league with the english but he was quite sure that no one of the flying frenchmen was saint luc the chevalier was too wise to be caught in such a trap nor would he lend himself to the savage purposes of tandakora behold daganoweda he said the sort of friends the french would be to the hodenosaunee when the great warriors of the six nations go to the vale of onondaga to hear what the fifty sachems will say at their council the treacherous hurons and kanawagas led by white men from montreal and quebec come into their land seeking scalps the power of golden speech was upon him once more he felt deeply what he was saying and he continued calling attention to the ancient friendship of the english and their long and bitter wars with the french he summoned up again the memory of frontenac never dead in the hearts of the mohawks and as he spoke the eyes of daganoweda and his comrades flashed with angry fire but he did not continue long he knew that at such a time a speech protracted would lose its strength and when the feelings of the mohawks were stirred to their utmost depths he stopped abruptly and turned away twas well done lad twas well done whispered willet great bear said daganoweda we go now to the vale of onondaga for the grand council perhaps tayoga a coming chief of the clan of the bear of the great nation onondaga will go with us so he will said willet and so will robert and myself we too wish to reach the vale of onondaga an uncommonly clever frenchman one chevalier raymond de saint-luc has gone there he is a fine talker and he will talk for the french our young friend here whom an old chief of your nation has named dagayoga is as you have heard a great orator and he will speak for the english he will measure himself against the frenchman saint-luc and i think he will be equal to the test the young mohawk chieftain gave robert a look of admiration dagayoga can talk against anybody he said he need fear no frenchman have i not heard and if he can use so many words here in the forest before a few men what can he not do in the vale of onondaga before the gathered warriors of the hodenosaunee truly the throat of dagayoga can never tire 
the words flow from his mouth like water over stones and like it flow on forever it is music like the wind singing among the leaves he can talk the anger from the heart of a raging moose or he can talk the otter up from the depths of the river great is the speech of dagaioga robert turned very red willet laughed and even tayoga smiled although the compliment was thoroughly sincere you praise me too much daganoweda said young lennox but in a great cause one must make a great effort then come said the mohawk chieftain we will start at once for the vale of onondaga they struck the great trail wagwanyehu and travelled fast the next day six mohawks from their upper castle ganegahaga on the mohawk river near the mouth of west canada creek joined them and they continued to press on with speed entering the heart of the country of the Haudenosaunee, robert feeling anew what a really great land it was with its green forests its blue lakes its silver rivers and its myriad of creeks and brooks nature had lavished everything upon it and he did not wonder that the iroquois should guard it with such valor and cherish it with such tenderness as he sped on with them he was acquiring for the time at least an indian soul under a white skin long association and a flexible mind enabled him to penetrate the thoughts of the iroquois and to think as they did he knew how the word had been passed through the vast forest he knew that every warrior woman and boy of the Haudenosaunee understood how the two great powers beyond the sea and their children here were about to go into battle on the edge of their country and what must the Haudenosaunee do and he knew too that as the six nations went so might go the war in america he had seen too much to underrate their valor and strength and on that long march his heart was very anxious within him end of chapter fourteen part two